Welcome to the first episode of Mages and Murder Dads, the only podcast dedicated to playing all of the Baldur's Gate games. Probably. There's probably another podcast, but I'm Cameron. I'm Danny. And, uh, yeah, so we're going to talk about Baldur's Gate um, all the way through. We're going to play them all, I think. And then we're going to talk about them all, and we're going to say what we feel. We're both uh, big old nerds. Oh, well, I, you, you know, relatively speaking. We're... Okay, um, we are both people who have played a lot of Baldur's Gate in all of its iterations, um, all around the world. All combined. around the world, that's true. All around the world. Um, and yeah, so we thought it'd be really fun. We, we talked about this uh, a while back, the idea of doing a podcast or just uh, playing through these things, and so we're actually going to do it now. Um, so we're playing the uh, enhanced editions of the games, and uh, I guess you could play along with us. If you wanted to. If, if your heart desired. I mean, I guess you could stay like a little bit ahead and uh, you could you could play along with us. So um, we're going to be signposting all of that stuff. Um, so this episode, for example, goes from the very beginning of um, Baldur's Gate 1 and goes all the way to um, Baragost or somewhere right around Baragost. And we'll kind of talk through that as we go. So if you want to go and like play through three hours of the game and then come right back... Um, you could do that. I we'll guess. be here. It if will be right it, here. We'll, it, we're not going anywhere. Mm -mm. And so you can pause it right here. Okay. Hopefully you hit play again. Yeah, uh, you're back. Okay. We're all back. Okay. All right, Danny. So, uh, you know, tell me, we were talking before, mm -hmm. before this started. Mm -hmm. We were talking about how, how super weird the enhanced edition is. The Enhanced Edition of Baldur's Gate is quite different from the original Baldur's Gate, as I remember it. I don't know how old I I was when I first booted up Baldur's Gate 1. Baldur's Gate 1 came out in 1998. Oh boy. So, mm -hmm. that, that's a while back. And I don't, think that, I don't think that at the time I bought that game and played it, even within a year of it coming out, it probably was, you know, sat on the shelves of the, the Walmart in my county for a good long while before I... Uh, before I saved up my allowance and bought it, but um, yeah, I remember the game very differently from the way it's presented in the Enhanced Edition. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of uh, um, I don't know how to how to quite say it. Um, there's a lot of bastardization going on <laughs> in this goddamn game. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but yeah, no, a lot of like all of the graphics. I guess because those graphics don't scale to HD at all. Yeah, right? like all the pre-rendered stuff. Um, and so, yeah, all of that's been replaced by, like, animated motion comics, kind of? That's maybe the best way to describe it? Yeah, I think this is one of the biggest differences, right? Is you just take that mouse wheel, and when you zoom out, you, zo you zoom out to just untold levels. Like, things that you would never remember from playing Baldur's Gate. Because when you played Baldur's Gate, you saw roughly, I don't know, 30 yards around you. Mm -hmm. and and you just kind of had to deal with it, and the, and the graphics were what they were. And I think you could zoom in a little bit, but 
I don't even I don't even know how much. I don't th- yeah, I don't think you could zoom in. Yeah, so I think you were just static. You were just there. Um, but in this new enhanced edition, you can zoom out to kind of resolutions that you might be used to if you've played if you've played games in this genre, say Baldur's Gate Two, Icewind Dale, Icewind Dale Two, and uh, and the other kind of spiritual successors of the genre. So mm-hmm. that's a huge difference, and it's kind of it's 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 a quality of life improvement, I, I, I guess. You you think you think it's a it's an improvement? I do. There are like there are definitely things that make it, that the game is a little bit easier to to navigate because of being able to zoom in and out. I think it's true. So uh, so with because uh, I think we could belabor a number of different points about this, but I'm going to look at a uh, I'm going to read off a list okay. of uh, of the things that are different between those two. Um, between the original Baldur's Gate and Enhanced Edition. So, um, Enhanced HD Display. Mm. So all that stuff around. Um, there is uh, a bunch of extra classes yeah. um, and like subclass kits or whatever, and we can talk about that when we talk about character creation in just a minute. Um, they, they apparently fixed a bunch of bugs. Um, they added Tales of the Sword Coast, which was their first expansion pack for mm-hmm. Baldur's Gate. Um, and there's a bunch of new NPCs um, and characters like that. Yeah. Which is pretty cool. Um, and I think this is the biggest one. Um, there is a quick save button on the, yes. on the sidebar of the game. Mm-hmm. It also tells you on the character portraits what your character is doing that turn. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Have you noticed that? Yes, I have. I know that's the first thing I noticed. Hmm. Okay. After I had my wild mage uh, accidentally slow my entire party. Oh, that's what those little symbols are. Mm-hmm. Okay, I, yep. I I see it. That's that that's going to be very useful when we get into the more tactical battles of the game, which we are. I don't know. We're maybe getting to. Oh yeah, if we, we, yeah. We'll talk about that in just a second. But mm-hmm. uh, yes, I've had a bad time already. <laughs> um, Already in Baldur's Gate, because uh, it's kind of difficult. But before we talk about the actual game proper, let's talk about creating characters. Yeah. So we, before we did this podcast, before we made the decision to do it, um, we talked to each other and we said, let's not play the same characters. You know, let's let's make sure we get a diverse experience so we can talk about, you know, the differences in, um, uh, in how the game is designed for different character classes. Mm-hmm. So you want to talk a bit about your character? Sure. Um, Balthazar is a half-orc fighter, subclass barbarian. So this is because I imagine this is Baldur's Gate and it's cribbing from 2nd edition. There is no separate barbarian class. Barbarian is, I guess, a kit to a fighter. So they just took a fighter and kind of... Added a few things to him, so it's uh, he he can't wear like heavy heavy plate, for example. I think the, the the heaviest armor he can wear is splint mail, and he gets to do a barbarian rage once a day, which um, which I get which I guess is pretty good, which is, you know makes you real real strong, real mm-hmm. mean, real fast. It does. Um, and I considered for a hot second being a wizard slayer, which is basically just a fighter that destroys mages. Like every time you hit a mage, their spellcasting failure rate goes up twenty five percent, which is just brutal. Um, um, 
so do you know so when people make like do the single character runs they have to do that or that's the class that people choose to use yeah Mm -hmm. just because it's so it it nullifies so much of the game yeah basically and and it's kind of like if most of the fights that do not feature like most of the very hard fights rather that don't feature a spellcaster can be cheesed way easier right Mm -hmm. yeah if it's a melee thing, you can, like, kite it or get it stuck on something, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. whereas... So that makes sense. But I, I instead, I, I went a little bit more old-fashioned. And uh, the most important thing about Balthazar is the fact that I spent a good 30 minutes rolling his stats. So he's got very high stats. You just you just kept hitting that, that re-roll button. That's true. So, yeah, it's a hybrid system where you roll for your stats, and then after you roll for your stats, it's a point-buy. It's a modified point-buy system. So, you know, you hit roll, and the game rolls uh, 3d6 six times, and those are your statistics. Mm-hmm. If, you're, if you're not a Dungeons & Dragons nerd, kind of 18, 19, that's as, that's as strong as you can be. 10 is kind of, uh, I always imagine 10 was pretty average or maybe slightly above average for, uh, for you know, a person. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so if, when you hit roll, you will have a number below all six uh, statistics, and that number is like the total number of points you get. And if you want, you can like decrease one of those statistics a little bit to increase one of the other ones. But if you just wail on that button, you will eventually get really high numbers. And it's actually easier for some classes to get very high numbers than others. For example, the Paladin, because... In 2nd edition Dungeons & Dragons, the Paladin requires very high strength, very high charisma, and moderately high wisdom. The way the game works when you roll statistics as a Paladin is you'll roll them, it'll do them randomly, and then say if that random charisma roll isn't at 17, which is required, it'll automatically boost it up. Oh my god. So you, you you can only get 17 or higher when you roll statistics as a Paladin. So, like, that's the easiest way to get in the 90s to 100 um, total attribute points is to play a Paladin, but I've already beaten the game as a Paladin. So, yeah, this is the number one most important thing to do in this game is to, is to start the game <laughs> with very high statistics because all this game is is inventory management and random number generation based on those numbers. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So if you're in for that kind of... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> astute commentary on the video game form. This is the podcast for you, noble listener. I'm so, pointing at. I'm pointing so, what at about them. you, Kunzelman? How did uh, how did your stats work out? Uh, so, I'm playing Tickelvar, the sorcerer. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's very cool. Very cool guy. And um, his stats are uh, just pretty normal. Like I didn't, I I wasn't trying to min max. I spent all of two seconds. I think I hit reroll one time, and um, but I, you know I I've got a you know like an eighteen in dexterity, That's good. and then yeah like twelves and fourteens for the other important stuff. Okay. So it's not so bad. Um, really interesting though. Um, when uh, you know I like quickly tabbed out of the game when I was rolling these stats to figure out um, you know where wizards need intelligence, barbarians need strength. You know mm-hmm. what does a sorcerer need? And in I guess third edition or at least fourth edition, the um, the sorcerer needs charisma. That's like sure. their stat, right? Their force That's, of will. Yeah, they're they're. 
I, it actually doesn't make a lot of sense. You would think it would be wisdom <laughs> since then. But, uh, but yeah, so charisma is their like big stat. And so like I like tab out, I go on the internet to look to make sure that's true. And on the internet, they just say, no, there's because this game doesn't think about that or doesn't care very much. Um, it, uh, intelligence, wisdom, and charisma, none of them matter for the sorcerer at all. In fact, there's no spell statistic for the sorcerer. Um, and so I just put all of those points in dexterity. Um, another thing that's really interesting, so you're talking about like your barbarian ability mm -hmm. um, of being able to rage out, to go into your barbarian rage or whatever it's called, berserk. Um, the big thing about the sorcerer is that they uh, are like a spellcasting class that doesn't have a spell book necessarily. So they just inherently like in their blood. I think that's the literal logic of the D and D yeah. uh, sorcerer. It's they have magic in their blood. So when they level up, they uh, get new spells and they can cast all those spells twice per day. I want to say, mm. um, but there's no like going out to a library and learning new spells or buying new spells. You're kind of stuck with what you got. So I'm stuck with like um, chromatic orb and charm person for a while. Yeah. Um, so I, I, so I guess the the lore reason behind a sorcerer's main stat not being a stat, it's just being a static bonus, is that in I guess second edition, sorcerers are kind of they're like you're just born with it. There's it's not tied to how smart you are or how wise you are. It's just a it's just a facet of who you are that is so inherent it's not tied to any attribute one or another. But what about how sexy your blood is? Mm. You got you got sexy charismatic blood. Mm -hmm. I don't no. know. I, I so it's a it's an interesting kind of metaphysical aspect of this game. But you, so basically, your character. I don't know what is your character's highest statistic? Dexterity. Yep. You're just really good at waggling those fingers, moving around. I don't mm -hmm. even think they have to do that. I think they probably just like unhinge their jaw and magic flies out. That's like, kind of yeah. It's weird. Harry Potter is a wizard in that in that Harry Potter universe, but really, if it were D and D, he would be a sorcerer because he kind of just like has these powers without studying them. Right in the beginning of that series. I don't know. It's been a very long time. I don't think that's how that works, though. You don't think that's how that works in Harry Potter world? Or in... I don't think so. Mm -hmm. mm, yeah, I think. Are you? Do you think you're? Are you talking about Harry Potter? Yeah, I'm talking about Harry Potter. The uh, Harry Potter's the one. Um, He's the half blood prince. Is that the one where it's, it's the the four people and they um, they study ghosts and they uh, they like build no, a little no, trap? No, no. To... You're thinking about Babadook. Oh yeah, that's the Babadook. I'm mm -hmm. right. You're right. You're right. I, I, I'm. It's it's been a long time. It has been playing, yeah. been playing a lot of Baldur's Gate. So mm -hmm. diving right into Baldur's Gate. Mm -hmm. into the plot of Baldur's Gate, you don't really learn a lot. You don't really get a lot of info before you start this game. No, and I feel like you get a little, uh, you get a little animation and a, and a short um, few paragraphs that are um, narrated to you. But the game has nice little um, excuses for this, right? <laughs> okay. You, the protagonist, the character mm -hmm. that, that you just made... By is... the way, this is what you're about to say makes no sense. Okay. Like, but I, but I want you to say it. But just for the audience at home, <laughs> while they're listening to this, this none of this makes any sense. 
but go ahead. You, the protagonist, are a 20-year-old person Mm -hmm. who has spent virtually their entire life in a monastery of sorts with a kind father-like figure who has basically shielded you from the world. And this monastery is a repository for all of the world's knowledge and scholars like scholars line up and bend over backwards to have access to this monastery. But the monast- despite the fact that the monastery has all the knowledge in the world, no one in the monastery knows anything about what's happening in the world. So that is like the, the fundamental contradiction of Candlekeep. Mm-hmm. And everyone hates it. And yeah, well, except the people. Well, I guess even the people inside, they kind of dislike their lives, don't they? Mm-hmm. I I'm really confused about why there's a tavern mm-hmm. in Candlekeep, a place where no one can go. Yeah. Except the people who live there. Yeah. Well, I mean, you got to get drunk in Candlekeep somewhere, right? That's true. There's probably like there's probably a bar of some type in Antarctica, right? On um, these research stations. I think I don't know. I think you much like Candlekeep. I think that uh, if you get drunk in Antarctica, your chance of wanting to off yourself in the the frozen <laughs> darkness probably goes way up. <laughs> and the same thing in Candlekeep. Yeah, but so yeah, so, Candlekeep so, is a bizarre place. It, it's very bizarre and doesn't make a lot of sense about like how it could exist. But so in Candlekeep, we are introduced to um, a couple characters that matter. Mm-hmm. Um, you're immediately, like, as soon as the game begins, someone tries to murder you. I think two people try to murder you. Two people try to murder you within the very walls of Candlekeep itself. You've been told urgently, hey, go to the go to the inn, get your supplies, and then come and meet Gorion, your father figure. Because he needs to, you need to go somewhere. And of course, as a, as a good player, we spend, you know, we just, we exhaust Candlekeep. We do not go to Gorian immediately. Yeah. We, we, you know, we go in the in the end, we talk to people in the end, we go upstairs. Um, I, I rob some people. Um, I, like, open some stuff I shouldn't upstairs. And uh, and a guard confronts me on my way down. I murder the guard. No oh, one, really? No one knows anything about me murdering. <laughs> like, I, my reputation goes down, like, five points after I murder the guard, but all the other guards are oblivious to the fact that I murdered this guard and I'm now wearing his helmet. <laughs> That's, like, a really good question. So, are you going to be, are you, I'm playing the game as a good character with a good party. Are you playing the game as an evil character with an evil party? Uh, I'm chaotic. I think I'm chaotic neutral. Okay, well, you murdered, like, a man of the law okay, in a so lawless here's the thing. world. I never, I, I was upstairs, uh-huh. I opened some things, I took some things out of things. I tried to go downstairs. <laughs> a man appeared in armor, <laughs> pointed a sword at me, and said, "Give, like, look, you need to pay for this stuff, give me your money. And you're I, like, I'm a child who's never left. <laughs> and I, I tell him I don't have money, which is true. I spent all my money getting a two-handed longsword, which I have two little pips of proficiency at. And then, after I say I don't have money, he attacks me. <laughs> and so you killed him. Well, I defended myself. <laughs> there's, a, there's a thin line here. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I am... I, Could you have I, run away, you think? No. it's a, like He was blocking the stairwell. <laughs> So not not in a video game reason you couldn't, but just it it would be very inconvenient to have to path him up into the thing and then back down. 
I think, I don't know if you, I would have been able to survive that kind of onslaught. I mean, my stats are pretty good, but that's like a lot of him wailing on me while I try to click around. <laughs> that is true. Yeah. That is true. Okay, so you were introduced to a, uh, a, a dude just doing his job. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're, you get introduced to two murderers trying to kill you. Yeah. Um, you get, inter- you get introduced to a barkeep who tells you about an elf's arse or something. Every time. Every time. It's as clean as an elf's arse. Mm-hmm. That's what he says. Um, and then, uh, we're introduced to Alondo. Mm-hmm. Alondo is like a god or like a prophet or something. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's got these like cool dudes, and you'll hear some of this. I'm pretty sure the Alondo thing is going to be the theme for this podcast. Right. <laughs> Just those people yelling about Alondo, and um, so and those show up a lot of times because they tell they tell the prophecy of um, the the ball spawn, uh, which we'll maybe not even talk about in this episode, depending. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff going on in this game. It's... Well, because I feel like we don't want to like spoil anything, right? Like we want to move through with the pace of the game right exactly yeah but there's so if you were playing this game the first time sometimes you run into folks these folks are pattering on about about nonsense like literal you it doesn't make any sense you'd have to really be in like in the lore of the forgotten realms and Faerun and all of that to understand any of what these people are saying mm-hmm. at this stage in the game it's true and then we're introduced to um you're like stepdad well before we meet uh, the stepdad we briefly meet kind of a stepsister type figure like a oh, little yeah. sister figure Emowyn. Mm-hmm. so annoying <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know who thought that those like voice clippy things were a good idea for her because mm-hmm. uh, a bad time the barks but, I guess yeah the barks terrible terrible mm-hmm. so then we meet uh Gorion, Gorion, mm-hmm. I don't know how you say it, and uh, he's like, we got to get the hell out. Yeah. We, we, we got to leave. And he'll give you a brief opportunity if you want to finish one of the quests in the in Candlekeep, he'll, you can say, hey, give me a second. Give me mm-hmm. a second, Pops, mm-hmm. um, which he will just allow you to do, and maybe maybe you want to go help that dwarf kill those rats down in the, down in the south uh, eastern corner of the fort. Maybe you mm-hmm. want to get uh, Lieutenant Hull's sword out of the barracks. Maybe you want to do those. Maybe you want to find that uh, that stuff next to the cow and give it back to that that woman up in the north. Maybe you want to do those things before you I, head. I out. didn't do any of that. Okay. okay. <laughs> I I started the crossbow mission and realized it would just take so long to walk back across the map to <laughs> deliver something, and I just took the crossbow bolts with me when I left. Okay. I went back to. I actually bought them, and then I didn't do anything with them. Whoa. Yeah. So that that's how that is. Mm. It's they're gonna serve like they're gonna be a vital part of you winning a really big boss battle later. Because no one in my party like, can use a crossbow. It's like Chekhov's crossbow bolt. Oh man, that would be great. I, I want to kill the final boss with uh, with the crossbow bolt. So mm-hmm. uh, you do that. You like get yourself. I mean, I guess I guess very charitably we can say that Candle keeps like the tutorial level. Sure. Because, goddamn, this game throws you in the deep end as soon as it's over. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, it ties, it ties like, uh, weights around your waist and throws you in the water. It's More that or bad. less. So we get the hell out of Candlekeep. We start running across the, uh, the ground, mm-hmm. <laughs> like a field, with Gorion 
It's nighttime. And then some dudes show up and they just straight up murder him. Yeah. And you get a first taste of... Well, I guess you've had a few tastes of what combat is like um, up until this point. Well, you had a very significant taste of what it was like. That's like, true. This, yeah. the, the swift death of, a, of another man. <laughs> um, but you kind of see maybe what a higher level character can do. There are a lot of spells cast in this little cutscene. Which isn't a cutscene, it's just kind of the battle playing out. Um, yeah. Probably with the random num- number generation off, they just like everything that's supposed to hit hits. But yeah. Gorian is taken down, you know, he takes down two ogres um, and a few other folks, but ultimately mm-hmm. an armored man. And uh, and I think that a, that a, like a spellcaster survived when I, when I saw him go down. It was like an armored guy and, uh, and a woman, uh, maybe a cleric or a sorceress was, mm-hmm. was, you know, they killed him. They killed him with spells and with swords. Mm-hmm. And somehow these like super magical people can't chase down a like a twenty year old in the forest, so you get away. Yeah. Which which let me be clear, much like Candlekeep makes no sense. It is <laughs> it is the most fantasy ass novel thing in the world. Sure. To make this plot get going, so you're not murdered immediately, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and then so yeah, you you wake up the next morning. Imowen shows up through plot convenience. Yeah. She says, "Oh hey, I I snuck out because uh, I didn't want to be there anymore." I want to hang out with you. And she also, she witnessed uh, Gorian's murder. Mm-hmm. Uh, did she? Yeah, she said, I saw everything. I'm so sorry. Oh, dang. Yeah. Um, so she's there. You go collect crap off the body. Mm-hmm. Um, hey, you could letter. or you couldn't. If this is your first playthrough, you might not go north to collect that stuff. She tells you to. Oh, uh, she tells you to? Uh-huh. I, I was actually reading what she said. And, uh... Which I normally would not do. Mm-hmm. And I, I would mean, wander I think away. That you can advance the plot without going up there, though. Oh, 100%. And have no idea what you're supposed to do. Sure. <laughs> like, not a single clue. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah. So, really, the only two things on that first map, and I think both of those things are, are interesting, is there is a wolf, and there are two characters named Zar and Monteron. There are two black bears also. One oh, of which, really? One of which won't aggro you, and the northernmost will. Jeez. Yeah. Did, did you fully explore this entire... Um, I gave it a good 85%. I think mm-hmm. that that's more or less everything that's in the level. Occasionally, if you hold down the tab button, you'll see if there's stuff on the ground that you can interact mm-hmm. with. Yep. And you might find, like, a, ca- a cachet here and there. But, yeah, that, um, that bear is a bad, sad time. You, mm-hmm. Yeah, you get you get killed pretty hard. Well, so and so does the wolf. The wolf also straight murders you. Yeah, I skipped the wolf. I knew where it was and I walked around it. So I <laughs> fought the wolf. I fought the wolf four times and mm-hmm. died every single time mm-hmm. and died in one hit more than one two more than one time in that yeah. little run. So this game, like, throws you out into it. Says, "Look at your dad get murdered." You're like stepdad, whatever. Um, and then begins to just, uh, murder you over and over again. Yeah. Which is why that quick save button becomes very, very important. Mm Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, so then there's Zarn Monoron, um, that are, like, two, we could say, just evil characters. And, I mean, our first interaction with them, they're quite sketchy. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They say, we're gonna give you some, some health potions. I took the health potion. Me too. And I added them to my party. Did you add them to your party? Oh, no. They said, hey, we want to go to this mine. I said, hey, I'm, I'm meeting up with some friends first. I got to meet some friends. And then they just walked off. Really? Yeah. 
So that's a big thing in this game is if you if you say no to somebody, they just leave. Mm-hmm. That happened to me more than one time already. If you just uh, someone approaches you with an idea and you're like, like you know, internally in your video game player mind, you're like, I don't want to do this just yet. We'll mm-hmm. wait on it. They just leave. They go about their whole life mm-hmm. without giving a shit about you, which I think is pretty cool. <laughs> sure. I mean, like it's a kind of a bummer when it happens. Um, and so yeah, so you do that. And so I have them in my party, and you don't have them in your party right now. No, I pro- oh, cool. I don't think I will ever get Zar and Montaron. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one guy is a uh, Zar is like a um, a wizard, and Montaron is a thief, mm-hmm. which is a pretty pretty bad compliment to my party creation. I feel <laughs> like I'm going to have that that problem through the rest of the game. Mm-hmm. Are you going to go for an all spellcaster party? Oh, that would be amazing, but no. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of spellcasters in this game, though. A lot. I think that's actually the big chunk of NPCs that you can recruit. Yeah. So, yeah, so you go to the next screen, and an old man shows up, and the old man's like, Hey, uh, what are you doing, young man? And you can be rude to the old man, or you can be nice to the old man, or, you know, there, there's a few dialogue options. Mm-hmm. Were you, uh, were you rude to him? No, because that he's fucking Elminster. <laughs> Like, I thought there'd be no spoilers. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> okay, all right. So we'll explain for people who don't know. <laughs> explain who, who fucking Elminster is. Okay. <laughs> so you know how in DC Comics there's mm-hmm. a comic book character mm-hmm. called Superman. Y- yeah, you're really going down to... <laughs> you know how there's words. <laughs> Anyway, okay. Elminster Superman. is the Superman of Forgotten Realms. He okay. is a very, very powerful wizard. His exploits are legendary. He co-wrote the Baldur's Gate 2 instruction <laughs> manual. <laughs> um, he, uh, he like, got sent to hell, and then hell, like, hell gave up. I think that's what happened at the end of that book, right? In, right. in, uh, in the novel Elminster <laughs> in Hell? Yeah. <laughs> They're not hiding anything there. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I did. I did not read that. Yeah, but uh, he, he just kind of wrecks wrecks hell, and <laughs> and they spit him back out because he's because he's so strong. He's just such a strong <laughs> wizard, you know. But that's uh, that's who Elminster is, and you don't want to look. If a man, if an old man in a pointy hat comes up to you, and you have an ch- opportunity to be nice to him at no cost to you, how about you? Uh, how about you go ahead and be nice? That's that's game video game advice, and that's real life advice. That's a universal. I yeah. think I don't think you can ever do wrong. Because mm-hmm. uh, like an old man with a, especially with a big beard and then a pointy hat, mm-hmm. I, there's like an eighty-five percent chance they're a wizard. <laughs> yeah, more like, or less across all domains. That's probably true. Yeah. All right. So at this point <laughs> in the game, it tells you, look, you need to go to the friendly arm in. So you can either learn that from a letter mm-hmm. on uh, Gorion's body, or you can learn that from Elminster. I think, right? Yeah. Like if you haven't already figured that out, so. You like go through some wilderness, like some more screens of wilderness. And really funny, the first time I tried to go to the friendly arm in, I was waylaid by enemies. Mm. Which, and if you haven't played the game before, uh, that just means like if you're traveling between two points, there's like a statistical chance that you get a random encounter. And yeah, normally it's that would not be like a part of the world map. Like you aren't yeah. actually in a location on the world map. You are in between two locations. Yeah, and so like the Fallout games use that as well. Sure. Um. I can't think of other games that use it, but there's got to be some. Mm-hmm. Oh, like or like random battles too, right? That's yeah, like idea. JRPG type stuff. Yeah, 
And uh, so normally that would be like some gibberlings, which are like little little gobbo looking dudes mm-hmm. who like you know bite on you, and they're blue. Yeah. Or it would be like a like a brown bear or a black bear. This was, I swear to God, 15 bandits. And as soon as the game loaded, I'm not even kidding. As soon as the game loaded, they just straight up killed my my PC. <laughs> <laughs> like, they all shot him with an arrow. All of them. It was so weird. And I've he never just seen exploded. That happen yeah, he just died. And then the screen uh, went black or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then a hand appeared. And then it slowly whiffed away mm-hmm. in the wind. It was It's pretty brutal. Yeah. So, after I made it through that, we go to the Friendly Arm Inn. So, you want to talk about the Friendly Arm Inn? I know you have a, a special personal connection. Yeah, the Friendly Arm Inn is interesting. Um, when you first go there, there are a few folks you can talk around the, uh, like, inside the wall, like, in the fort itself, but not in the um, not in the actual uh, inn itself, which is the keep in the middle of the property. Um, there are some hobgoblins and the periphery that are a part of a little quest you can do. Um, there's a temple outside, but, um, I guess the friendly arm in is just an interesting thing because if you, like, when you go inside, which I know we're going to get to going inside, but mm-hmm. when you finally get inside and you talk to the owners of the friendly arm in, the owners of the friendly arm in are probably the most powerful beings in this universe. Wait, who owns the Friendly Arm Inn? It's uh, it's Bentley, and uh, like a- another another person whose name starts with G. And you'll ask, oh, well, how did they found it? And then the the innkeep is like, or the bartender is basically like, oh, well, you know, it was like a haunted mansion that was like that was under the control of of Ball. And these adventurers came and cleared it out. And you know what they did after they cleared it out? They said, you know what we need to do? We need to start a bar here. We need to start, <laughs> we need to start a hotel and, and bar. And so they do. And then they, even though they're like, they're probably level 17 wizards or what have you. Mm-hmm. Like these people just settle down and spend the rest of their life in the hospitality industry. Well, I mean, we need positive role models like that. <laughs> like you don't, you don't want a kid growing up and thinking the only life for you is, uh, you know, a life that ends in, uh, you know, like a dungeon somewhere, bloodied and torn. Right? You don't mm-hmm. want that. You want the good life. You want to do all your adventuring and then retire to the hospitality industry, <laughs> <laughs> which explains why Baragost, which we'll talk about uh, toward the end of this uh, podcast, Baragost has. Four ends or three ends for a population of maybe two hundred people. <laughs> yeah, if that, if that, that is very generous. Mm-hmm. Um, and they are packed to the gills with people. Let me tell you, eighty so. percent of uh, Faerun's economy is the hospitality industry. There is no question. Oh, I, we should run the numbers. We on should. That. We should like figure out in terms of like pure economic exchange. Just, like, how many... That should be pretty easy, right? We'll just, Mm -hmm. like, count all of the, like, establishments of business in the Baldur's Gate game. And then not just just establishments, but you've got cooks, you've got bar, you know, winches, you've got Mm -hmm. got the merchants inside those hotels. Mm -hmm. Like, I think that number dwarfs the, like, the people in the... with the cart outside selling apples or what have you. I bet so. Wow. Mm. Well, maybe we'll make like a fun graph. We might. It'll it'll just be 
like a like a, a sharp turn upward. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Whatever that's called. Yeah. You know that one. One of those. Yeah, where we know our math. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm a I'm a math literal wizard. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but I'm kind uh, of putting the cart before the horse here. In mm-hmm. order to find out that information, you have to be inside the friendly arm in. And you, you, in order to get inside the friendly arm in, you've got to go up at like this little staircase to get there. Mm-hmm. And uh, and um, someone interrupts your little stair climbing. Yep, and they say, "I'm gonna I'm gonna kill you. I'm gonna murder you." <laughs> Well, like, first they say, hey, you're this person, right? Now they'll use your name or what have you. Mm-hmm. And you they'll go, say, no, I'm not that person. <laughs> and then they say, no, nah, I know you're that person. I'm going to kill you. <laughs> like, I think that's how it goes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's a real... Um, there are a lot of parts of this game that feel like a real D&D game. Mm-hmm. Like, it feels like like you are playing against a DM. And I, that, that, like a lot of that is in the... Um, like NPC conversation stuff. Yeah, the fact where, that like, there is a D- DM just railroading you somewhere. <laughs> well, not just railroading you, but like they're like, "All right, so uh, this character, it's got to have a have a hook to it, so you remember who they are." So I'll give them a speech impediment, mm-hmm. and then you know what I mean. So it's mm-hmm. like it feels like that like one level improv kind of thing. But yeah. yeah, no, there's a lot of like straight up railroading. Of of the of the game just not being able to be like oh you must not be that person farewell traveler <laughs> yeah. no I we have to fight now mm-hmm. um, and so yeah there's a mage and so historically this battle's been like mega hard yeah like I don't know if it was that way for you but I remember playing this game like every other time I've played this game and this battle being like a real kick in the teeth no I remember the first time or even the last time like before this time I played this game and I got to the friendly arm in. I probably reloaded and loaded this battle dozens of times, like maybe 50 times. Um, because I, I think there was more than one combatant that we Yeah, were that's fighting. my memory too. My memory is there's like there was like uh, someone up on the stairs. Yeah. And then maybe someone who like comes up from behind. So yeah. it like splits your party. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and there were several spellcasters in, in this enemy party. And and they were using, like, confusion magic and charm person and stuff like that. Um, so that's how I remembered this fight. So, you know, I did my dil- uh, due diligence and I quick save before going up the stairs. And I also, when the person started coming down the stairs, I ran away and, like, ran to the guards. Because I remember that's the, one of the few ways I was able to beat this fight is making sure that there were two guards nearby when this person aggroed me. Hmm. Um but anyway, so this guy attacks me, and I just murder him. <laughs> like it's just it's over. There's only one person, so I don't know. Maybe that's an enhanced edition thing. Maybe they were like way too many people quit this game before even getting inside the oh, friendly arm in. Like there have to be a like a non insignificant amount of people that hit that and were like, "This game is not for me." Yeah, I'm I'm over it. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, that's an interesting like change that happens. And, uh, like, part of me thinks, like, that's good that mm-hmm. they removed that because that was a big stumbling block. Part of me thinks, though, that, like, that that fight, for as frustrating as it is, really does set you up for the rest of the game. Yeah. That, that any time you meet a wizard, it's a frustrating time. Yeah. And it's a microcosm of the way very difficult fights work in the game, which the game... This is... 
I know that people do this game in Iron Man mode where they never mm-hmm. save and they never reload, etc. But the vanilla experience of this game is getting to a hard fight and, you know, trial and error, like down to down to, you know, meters of placement on where people are when the fight begins, down to who has what equipment, down to, you know, micromanaging potions and micromanaging who people are targeting and things like that. And this yeah. was kind of the first fight where you really had to think about that. And in order to progress, you know, you couldn't without doing that. Um, so, yeah, it's interesting that they took it out. It makes me wonder, you know, what else changed? Like, I wonder if some of the other harder fights that I'm thinking of in the in the later game, I wonder if they're still difficult. We'll see. Yeah, we'll find out. Mm-hmm. So, um really the the rest of the the stuff that happens in the friendly armin is really npc based so um we have up until this point for me i've got zar and montaron and um Imowen and then me in my party so i have two spellcasters and two thieves mm-hmm. which is a real bummer but <laughs> it's hard to win fight i mean you you fold pretty quick to <laughs> to 12 um <laughs> 12 bandits uh, when you when you have four hit points for two of your party members. Mm. Um, and so here you can get um, Khalid and Jahira, mm-hmm. who Jahira is a druid, and Khalid is a warrior, I want to say, or fighter? Fighter, yeah. Um, and that really smooths out the game a little bit. Mm-hmm. She's like a nature, a nature-loving, like, druid stereotype. Sure. And he's like a goofy, cowardly warrior. A scary fighter. cat. He is. he is, and he's got a stutter. <laughs> yeah, he he's petrified constantly. Like hearing the voice acting is great. Oh, it's amazing. And I think either there's additional voice acting. I don't remember there being as much voice acting in the original versions, but I just might have had that turned off. Sure, because uh, that's the thing I do. But I've been paying attention to all of it this time. Um, and a new addition here in the Friendly Armin is this character called Dorn, mm-hmm. who is a he's a half orc of some sort. Mm-hmm. I don't know what his class is. And he's quite rude. He's very rude. He was very rude to me, and I tried to recruit him, and it didn't let me do anything. So I'm assuming I have to come back later. Yeah, and I think there's actually a little quest update, um, which the interface, you know, another difference between the original and the enhanced edition, there's a really streamlined kind of eye candy quest interface now. Where when or you just get like a modern quest interface. A modern quest interface <laughs> where when you get a quest, it will let you know. Um, and not just tell you in like the little text box next to the combat. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there, there's a quest and it says, uh, maybe you'll, maybe you can come back. Like it's oh, very okay. gamey. <laughs> oh, I gotcha. Yeah. That's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and the only other thing that I thought was interesting, um, here is that, uh, there's this like gnome or a halfling, probably a gnome. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter. A short character. Uh, the character models in this game are not very specific. No, yeah, it's. I think you can kind of tell the difference between a dwarf and the other shorter characters, but yeah. But uh, and he tells me, or he told me about a belt fetish ogre that like stole his belt, hmm. and uh, this dude named Unchi is like a little little gnome or something. And then on my way to Baragost, which is like the next place uh, that I went in the game, I fought a belt fetish ogre. Hmm. Who, like, came right at me. And I beat him up really easy. I was very surprised at how easily I beat up the ogre, and I got two magical belts. Well, you're at a full party now, right? 
I yeah, so I've got six people, which is the maximum party size for this game. So you can kind of get to the maximum party size in a in a in a healthy half hour. Yep. Yeah. If you can if you can get past those uh, bandits, if you can get wolf. past those bandits, the wolf and the uh, the nerfed mage, sure, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. then you can do that. So yeah, so and then so yeah, I got two magic belts. I've only identified one, which is like the belt of gender reversal or gender flipping or mm-hmm. whatever it's a curse belt that just changes the uh changes the the it really only changes the animation like there's no other not the animation but the character model right mm-hmm. yeah. i didn't put it on i just didn't i assume something else bad would happen you read yeah. curse belt and you don't put stuff on i think that uh the problem is you can't take it off so it's like just yeah. taking up that spot mm-hmm. well i'm glad i didn't just put it in there mm-hmm but yeah, so I, I have another one too, but I haven't identified it yet. So we'll find out next episode. Oh man, oh man. All right. So the last thing we did for this episode was go to Baragost, which is like a like a trade city, I guess, like a little trade town. Uh, a hospitality industry town. <laughs> it is a hundred percent dedicated to the hospitality industry. Yeah, a man uh, approaches you when you first uh, zone into Baragost, and he says, "Oh, well, how can I help you?" And you can ask, like, eight questions. Mm-hmm. And the question's like, oh, I want to go to a luxury inn. Or, oh, I want to go to just, you know, a simple inn. Oh, I want to go to a tavern. Oh, I want to go to a, a blacksmith. And this person, who's very helpful, will tell you where all of those things are. They won't appear on your map or anything. So you'll have to, like, actually listen to him. And, mm-hmm. like, and, and he'll give you ordinal directions. So, mm-hmm. I, you know... It's a it's a trade town. That's exactly what it is. That's kind of all that's going on here. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty weird. So, what did you? I think you did less than I did in Baragos. So I did a little what... bit less, and I think that it's the reason why the reason why I did a little bit less was the outcome of my little adventure. Um, okay, I was walking the streets of Baragos. Um, I probably had a similar experience as you did. I went into a tavern. Some drunken guy picks a fight with me. That doesn't mm-hmm. end well for him. Merle. His name is Merle. Yeah, and you know, there's a there's a guy behind him, like, rooting him on, and I'm like, Merle, you do not want to mess with me. The game gave me an option to buy him a drink, and I bet I could have placated him that way. No, but... I did that. I tried to buy him a drink. Oh, it didn't well, work. I, I was like, I'm not buying you a drink. And mm-hmm. um, then he attacked me, and my half-ogre barbarian critical-hitted him, <laughs> and he exploded. <laughs> <laughs> just straight up there's not a body anymore there's a there's like his tunic loose tunic on the ground and a club i think or something right oh dang he came at you with a club yeah i think i think uh colleague killed killed him for me mm. i don't even think i had to do much mm-hmm. oh that's a real bummer and then the guy is just standing there behind like his friend and if you talk to him he just calls you you murderer he's like in <laughs> shock and that's all he can say now but anyway mm-hmm. so i do that and i'm walking the streets and this fellow who i know is important because the game has given this person a portrait mm-hmm. um and it separates <laughs> from the haves from the have-nots exactly exactly there's uh this character i believe the name was garrick and garrick says hey you want to make 300 gold um i need somebody i need to pay for protection anyway like, you know my uh, my friend silky is a mm-hmm. musician and there's some people after and they're bad people and i say sure that's perfectly fine so I'm just really quickly. Mm-hmm. So I said no, I've got <laughs> shit to do, and he wandered away. Okay, 
And then I died immediately after that, and I'd not quick saved in between, so I got a second chance at it. Ah, okay. But yeah, sorry. No, no worries. I um, so I follow Garrick, and he takes me to Silky. To to a sweet motorcade. Yeah, <laughs> to a really loud motorcycle. Takes me to Silky around the bend. Silky says, "Hey, there's some people coming to attack me." I said, "Hey, three hundred gold sounds like a perfectly fine deal. I can take care of these people." Anyway, mm-hmm. these three gentlemen uh, show up, and they're obviously not attacking Silky. Mm-hmm. And Silky's like, "Oh, defend me, kill them." And I and I'm like, I, "I'm wising up here, Silky. You um, just want me to kill these guys. You're not actually threatened by them. You're just using me as your little hit squad." So I say no, and Silky. Is a spellcaster of some sort, and then disappears, and then reappears, and then casts a spell, and three of people in my party disintegrate, just die, <laughs> including my main character, and <laughs> and then I just reloaded, and I didn't I didn't quick save within Baragos, so oh, I was just dang. like bam, right back to the uh, the beginning of Baragos. Mm-hmm. That's, that's how. So that's what happened. So you didn't try it again yet? I haven't tried it again. Oh, dang. Um, Okay, so I had the same thing happen to me, and I died about, like, seven times. (laughs) Okay. While trying to do that. Um, So much that I, like, you were talking about, like, very particular character placement and stuff like Mm -hmm. that. I ended up doing that. I ended up, like, putting, like, three spellcasters. Oh, no, uh, Imowen with a bow and two spellcasters, like, in a weird triangle all around her, so she couldn't shoot all three of them at one time. Mm. Um, Because when your character is disintegrated... She cast Lightning Bolt. Yeah. And it just straight up killed everybody. Yeah, it was basically a chain lightning type effect where we were all so close together it hit everybody. Yep. And so, yeah, so that happened to me too several times. And I I finally got her. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And those dudes aren't even that appreciative. Damn. Yeah. It kind of makes you think uh, maybe maybe I'll give just killing these dudes a shot. (laughs) I think if you do that, she turns on you anyway. Really? It's, it's the so. DM the DM syndrome again? Uh, the the DM's a railroader, <laughs> for sure. Um, so other interesting stuff that happened in Baragost, for me, um, is that everyone in every single inn you go into, there is a person who's trying to kill you. And one of them, the fight is so hard, I can't even do it. <laughs> I have died. You've like, got a full party. I've got a full party, and I've died multiple times. So, uh, I just don't go in that in anymore. <laughs> I've, I've tabled that for, for a moment. Well, you know, that's a really good reason to have that many hotels in a town. If one of them just has someone that kills your patrons when they come <laughs> in. And you cannot, they're so strong, no one can overpower this person. That's probably, there's probably only one inn in Baragost in the beginning. And they were like, we're going to have to build more. This guy's not leaving. Just one industrious person was like, "Holy shit! If we, if I built an inn across town and I didn't let the murder guy in there, then I could start raking in the cash. Think yeah. of all the people that come to my inn. Yeah, that's definitely what happened. Um, so there's that. There is a another NPC called Kagain, K A G A I N, who is like a trader, uh, or like a he hires out mercenaries, I think, to, um." To protect iron, like iron shipments. Yeah, we're getting a lot of breadcrumbs about the iron situation. When you talk to patrons, even in the Friendly Arm Inn, they'll talk about an iron shortage that is yeah. happening. Yeah. And so, you know, you put two, two and two together, even as a gamer on your first uh, playthrough, and you're thinking, 
a lot of people are pointing to these mines. Something, something's going on here. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, Zar and Montaron uh, want to go to the mines at Nashkel, which mm-hmm. is where we're ultimately going. Um, and then Khalid and Jahira also want to go there. Are Khalid and Jahira specific on why they want to go to the, the mines? Nope, I don't think so. Which oh, is they... weird, right? Like, our father figure dies. He, say, he says, hey, meet up with these people. You, mm-hmm. you like, travel through the wilderness. You know, uh, a 20-year-old, you've never been exposed to the dangers of the world, really. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and you make your way to this, this weird inn in the middle of nowhere. And there's your, you know, your father figure's buddies. And immediately they're like, oh, we're so sorry to hear about him. Um, we're going to these mines, so I guess take us there. And it's yeah. not like they take you there. You no. take them there. Yeah. You're the boss now. They're like four year old adults. <laughs> and you're like a twenty year old and they're like, Look, we our our life's in your hands, buddy. You have four hit points. Lead on. We're all level one somehow. Mm-hmm. Despite spending years adventuring. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, so there is a there's the iron shortage and everything. The game's kind of funneling us toward Nashkel. Um and so uh yeah, so Kagane, um he came into my party. Mm-hmm. I recruited him. Who'd you kick out? Um uh, let me get to that in just a second. Oh man. Um so he wanted to do that and he has like his own little quest where he wants to go uh he like lost the son of a baron or a noble or some sort. He Whoa. was supposed to protect them and didn't do that. And so that's his like quest that we have to go do. So Presumably, I'll go do that at some point. Um, but the, so I had a hole in my party, and the reason I had a hole in my party is that uh, on one side of Baragos, there's another new uh, non-player character called Nira, mm-hmm. and Nira is a um, uh, like a wild mage, mm-hmm. which is pretty cool. And so she's being attacked by a red wizard of Thay, and you have to defend her. From the Red Wizard, mm-hmm. who's like trying to capture her to study her wild magic. Which really thematically, a wild mage is thematically indistinguishable from a sorcerer. Well, they can't control their magic. That's the difference. That's so like... like... Like it's inborn in them in the same way it's inborn in a sorcerer, but they can't control the output of their magic. So they're just worse than sorcerers. Yeah, sometimes better, but sometimes you will uh, just, you know, like give your entire party a detrimental effect <laughs> while trying to cast magic missile. Yeah, um, but yeah, so so Who's I like uh, absolutely. So I protected her and uh, got rid of the red wizard and killed like these mercenaries that were after her. And so I had Zar and Montaron at the time, and mm-hmm. I was like, all right, so I can keep my double wizard, double. Um, thief thing going on and they come as a pair you can't get rid of one like you have to take them both or you have to get rid of them both and i was like okay i don't need two thieves i don't need two wizards in my party um so i traded off them and got her and which still gives me two wizards which is kind of still not optimal Mm -hmm. um but i got her and then i added kagane who is a fighter so now i've got two fighters a druid a sorcerer and a wild mage and a thief. So I've got like a classic D&D party. Very D&D. You just need a cleric somewhere. But the druid's kind of picking up that slack. Yeah, I mean, I've got her fully doing that. And, and Viconia is in this game too, right? She should be, yes. Um, and so, yeah, eventually Viconia will will sub in somewhere. Because mm-hmm. yeah, that's a fun character. Viconia is really fun. But, yeah, that's kind of... We're, it, we're in the preliminary stage of this of this game. I think. I think if you're playing through the game the first time and 
you get to this point, I feel like you 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 feel like you're finally getting to the game right at around mm -hmm. this point. Yeah, no, I think so too. Yeah, and and the game really we were talking about this before we we started the whole thing, but the game kind of opens up pretty soon. Mm -hmm. And so I think yeah, we'll just end up the next few episodes talking about just some missions that we've done probably. Probably. And what yeah. those are like, and we probably won't even have done the same ones. Yeah, because it's be uh, not as much as, say, Baldur's Gate 2 does. Oh, but, my God. Um, but, yeah, there comes a point in Baldur's Gate 1 where if you want to just rush the plot, you can make this game pretty quick. It'll be a little harder, probably, because of experience reasons. But um, aside from that, it, it does open up, and you can kind of do things in different orders. There's not really an official order. It's... Uh, it gets pretty cool. Yeah. So yeah, I think that's it. I think that's it for this episode. That's that's all we've done this week. Mm -hmm. Um, I think we're shooting for like bi-weekly or something like that for this. Yeah. I think this episode will come out next Thursday. I believe. I believe this episode will, will hit the streets, as the kids say, on June 9th. That's mm. my plan. That's my plan. Mm-hmm. Because currently the idea is that on Tuesdays, our uh, Beyond Two Souls Let's Play goes up, and on Thursday, something else goes up. Oh, man. That's my current schedule. That's a good schedule. Mm-hmm. So, so, yeah. So, anyway. Um, all right, everyone. So, thanks for listening so much. Uh, Danny, do you have any additional uh, things to say here at the end? Um, if you're playing through with us, just remember, uh, Mage is always first. Always yep. target the mages first. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. um, and right now, I'm going to probably have some little uh, little outro, and then I'm going to put in the uh, clip of you, when we started this recording, interrupting me during <laughs> the, the me saying the name oh, of the We're going to start a little blooper tradition. Yeah, well, a little blooper here at the end. Oh, okay. so, great. Okay, so thanks for listening to Mages and Murder Dads. Um, see you again in two weeks. Ciao. So saith the wise Alondo. Welcome to the Hi. first. Oh, god damn it. <laughs> All right, you go. That's not a welcome to you. <laughs>